Hello, and welcome to Screaming Bloody Oranges, the heavy metal podcast by Invisible Oranges. I'm Editor-in-Chief Andrew Rothmond, and on today's episode, we're talking shop on the website's revamped and now quite absurd Twitter identity. Before we dive into that more fully, though, let's jump into Langdon, Joe, and I discussing comedy more broadly as a segue into heavy metal on social media, and well, how that cookie ends up crumbling when you throw silliness and good fun into the mix. Enjoy. I don't even really think it's necessarily a bad thing for comedy to be dated or become dated because it's right. it's one of those art forms that very much want needs to live in the right here, right now. And so by right. necessity, that's going to change shape 30 years later. It's not going to look the same. Like that's not that's not a negative thing that it's. Yeah. Well, it's what comedians always talk about, too, when uh, when they do get very of the time specific political I've I've heard comedians talk about in podcasts and other places saying like sometimes they like that, you know, especially because it feels very relevant at the time. But then it's like five, ten years later, it's like I'm not going to tell those jokes again because just no one cares anymore. Right, right. I mean, that's part of what I love so much about someone like Stuart Lee, who's probably my favorite comedian. Where you, it's almost like you're watching something between a poem or performance art, and then he hits you with something, and it's a line. Tell me if you find this familiar. He hits you with a line that is objectively not funny and arguably not even a joke, and you just start crying. Like <laughs> you bypass laughter. You just hit you just hit tears immediately. He has like a 25-minute bit about about pear cider made with all natural pear. Hmm. See, it doesn't even sound funny. It doesn't sound like it's funny. It's I'm guessing 25 it's in the delivery and, long. And the, yeah. Well, it's also how long he does it. Yeah. He's like, my father had a phrase that he would tell me every day. He would say, son, it's like a pear cider made from 100% all natural pear. And he would say this about everything. This was this was something he'd learned from his father. And his father had learned it from his father before him. It was a heritage that our bloodline had passed down. It's, it's like... It's like nearly half an hour of that. And especially as as Americans, it it becomes more funny for us, I think. I've heard Brits say that this is the opposite, but I assure them it's not true. Because they will immediately be aware that this is the tagline of a famous parasiter from a famous ad campaign in Britain. Meanwhile, for me as an American, I'm hearing this and it sounds like an ad slogan, but I, I'm not familiar with what it's to, so I'm just like... So then part of the punchline that he hits like halfway through this 30 minute bit is that he's like, and this is a sign of how capitalism is designed to steal from the working class, take their heritage, repackage it and sell it back to them as though it came up with it, as though it's responsible. I turn on the telly. I'm flipping through the channels. I land on channel four, that execrable channel. It's like opening a garbage sluice into your home on purpose. And what do I see? But a but a pear cider commercial in which they say it's like it's like an it's like a pear cider made from 100% all natural pears with an S. They didn't even get it right. They steal it from you and they mutilate it. That's what they did. And like you're hearing it, it's objectively not funny. Like it's it's maybe not a joke. I uh, was like weeping with laughter. I think you have a penchant for absurdist humor. I, If you were to somehow categorize it like that. I, I think we know what yeah. we mean when we say absurdist humor. Yeah. But it's 
it's it's it's a to me it functions on two poles it has an attachment to reality and then has a specific detachment from reality and there's also the kafka-esque exactly feeling that you can generate as well in that in that vein well you know and on that yeah go ahead joe uh, i I was gonna say um this was kind of reminding me if we want to tie it into the realm of metal and everything just sort of talking about in general kind of metal and and comedy and metal and humor whether it just be sort of like things that bands have done or specifically bands that kind of very much make that a focus in their music yeah there's two dimensions here there's that there's bands that are clearly like having a good time and like making fun and doing like funny stuff um but there's also the dimension that and langdon's tweeted about this and i think we've tweeted on the on the io tweet uh water too um, is that is that death metal, especially death metal, is simultaneously brilliant and stupid. Like, it's there's a dumb hilarity to it. Like, there's an excessive like I'm laughing because that's just too much. But then there's like this brilliant technical. There's there's all levels of of how good it is as music too. Thanks. <laughs> Name any Cannibal Corpse a song title, and like it's just like it makes you laugh because it's totally berserk. It's totally bazooka hilarious. I call it, and it's those uh, overly long Nile song titles. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Swimming in the catacombs of the snakes who ate the lizards of the god. I don't know. You can come up with anything. I I mentioned Uh, to a friend recently that like one of the most shocking things about Nile, and it's shocking even especially in in the context of 2020 where we become more and more conversant about these things. If I were to tell you that a group of all white dudes from South Carolina are going to make a concept (laughs) band about Egyptian mythology, how well do you think it's going to – uh, be pulled off. Also, they're a death metal band. You're probably immediately thinking something. Now I'm going to blow your mind. The guy was so devoted to his shtick, he got a PhD in Egyptology. He contributes to the field. And it's like, what? He what? And it's like, that's right, baby. He's got a doctorate. Have you ever been so committed to shit posting that you get a doctorate? Boom. <laughs> like, and it's like, he's like, yeah, from the tombs of Nefronka. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty baller title. That's a pretty. But I'm worried that we might come across as appropriative. These are real people in a real culture, and they're like, that's a fair point. We should probably um, literally become scholars of the field. That that would that would help. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I can see how that would like. I think, yeah, appropriation is a really interesting word to unpack and let's not unpack it because that's like a yeah, whole other yeah. topic and, but and, and as far as the context we're a bunch of, a bunch goes, of white yeah. people so that's we aren't pretty much and we it. have no context in that sense either um but i think nile gets away with that appropriation because of the framework that we have within death metal specifically and that it can be it can be senseless and and, well, and like a harmless i don't well, well, i don't well, want to say harmless well, well, it's not me to decide i was also bringing up the like, senselessness of it yeah the, the amount of effort that they put into it. again like he got he got a degree in the field like it's mm-hmm. not it, at that point you're like oh well shit yeah I, I yeah you can do this now yeah that's fine like i can't imagine someone having a cogent argument if it's like this man like legit loves the subject matter and he mm-hmm. like i can like <laughs> But then you have, on the other hand, something like um, Pink Gorillas Go Ape, an album that apparently I'm the only one that likes. It's, 
the first Halloween album after um, Keeper of the Seven Keys Part Two. It's the one after Kai Hansen left to go form Gamma Ray. Mm. And it's also the one where they went explicitly into comedy metal. And I like it because it's insane. Like it's, They made Keepers of the Seven Key Parts 1 and 2. Perfect double record, um, landmark seminal album. I don't think anyone would argue otherwise. And they followed up with a song that had an album that has a song called Shit and Lobster. I know a couple really good, um, and like I think released either this year or last year, comedy metal albums. Maybe just two. I got one I just pulled up. Um, where it's like, it's dumb. Like it's obviously it's dumb song titles. It's all supposed to be funny, but then it riffs, you know, yeah. like it's surprising, like agile and like well-constructed narrated, narrated, uh, uh, metal. The one is called, uh, the after party by this band, uh, called Killtorius, uh, Killtorius. <laughs> but my favorite song title here, um, they have, uh, Rodney Dangerfield of dreams. Okay. That's fine. But insanity as a pathway to fame and fortune the tyrannical tirades of Mike Tyson. <laughs> um, and then King Diamond Dallas Page, if you want a wrestling reference. So it's like, I love wrestling. It's like, and I love DDP. I mean, it, so, but there's multiple, this is just an example. There's multiple bands out there, and they, they seem to sometimes be like super groups of other band members, like sort of like intermingling and like, let's do something just funny just for the hell I of mean, it. We, remember the Austrian Death Machine by, uh, oh yeah. Well, I, yeah, I but fuck remember. that guy. Yeah. Like, I know, fuck that guy, but I'm saying in concept, that true. idea. Of taking, uh, you know, like making well, a comedy was, album. Yeah. You know? the, the the problem with that was doing the second album. It was like all you needed was the one album. That's right. And they did a like, second. Well, the second problem with that, besides the guy, obviously, is yeah. the fact that they made a second one. Yeah. I don't mean well, to call into context that uh, him. Yeah. We, yeah. He so, sucks. Yeah. And we all agree on yeah. that. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, we even, we even but, have more, yeah. a more modern version of, I think, pretty much everyone's first response to Sludge. Like yeah, was, yeah. You hear it and you go, "Oh, it's a slug-themed death metal band." They're like, "No, it's it's a concept band about trans-dimensional slugs of the sixth dimension eating the lo- the blossoming lotus flowers of uh, budding universes like their lettuce." And you're like, "Yo, that's funny <laughs> as hell." And they're like, "Yeah, they have songs called like Salters of Madness." And you're like, "Yo, that's that's tight as hell." Yeah, let's put them on. And you put them on, and they shred your fucking face off. Dude, They're slug, fucking slug amazing. amazing. Dude, that band rips and whips. But what I like about them is that they're they're a balance. They're yeah. not outwardly just they're not outwardly hilarious. They're just It's conceptually You think about it. Hilarious. They're funny inside. They don't make you really laugh sometimes, but you just like you're pleased. Well, I mean, we we get at that point and this is it, it, yeah. It's more concept humor, where it's and this touches it back is. on the Stuart Lee thing. And you also see this in things like Mitch Hedberg and Stephen Wright of right on. comedy where the it's more thinking about the idea of this thing. It's not a punchline. It's more just mm. and that's where you can you get know, it's like, you don't the joke is more exploring almost yeah. narratively this thing, which is ludicrous on paper. Yeah. Don't you notice how people kind of do this in conversation naturally too? Yeah. It's a very natural thing to like I don't know, sometimes I sit down and just like if I'm talking with someone, like you just come up with ideas. Yeah, it's like, and if they're funny, you laugh, and then you just keep coming up with ideas. It's funny. It's uh, yeah. it, it it was funny because so, very. It's like Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we we talked actually back in about January of 2020 of having a change in direction for the uh, for the social media facing element of the site, and there's a whole bunch mm. of reasons for that. It was just 
<clears throat> again, there's boring backroom stuff that happens on every site under the sun of, you know, you have you know staff changeover, you have all kinds of little things like that. And you have X number of balls in the air and you only have a certain number of hands. So you start prioritizing, you're like, what are the ones we need in order to keep things moving? And at a certain point, mm-hmm. you're like, I'd rather keep publishing new stuff. I'd rather keep reaching out to new writers, keep in touch with upcoming releases and things like that. Then maybe making sure that every single tweet of an article that we put out is the tweet is handwritten by someone to because you're like, that's important. Sure. But we need to have shit on the site. Otherwise, you're not handwriting anything. Um, it, is a, it is a constant game of you basically take X number of work hours and you apply them strategically to certain areas that you think are most important. And I think what Langdon is saying is that we moved some of those hours around we moved and i think we maybe generated more space too because it's become more like sort of a habit and like you you have longer history on twitter than i do you have you know multiple accounts (laughs) full of hilarious bullshit that i just that cracks me up every time i'll be honest parody Um, satire themselves into the void yeah they're not mine but it but (laughs) maybe you can speak to this uh or maybe understand is like you sort of Twitter's fucked up in that, and don't I guess I can get started on like the structure of Twitter and how it shapes communication. The medium is the message. You already mentioned Marshall McLuhan last. Yeah, segment. There, there, there's a whole um, bunch of yeah. There are good critiques of Twitter that we all agree with that are out there. <laughs> Barring all like the high level like book shit, um, you just say that like Twitter is like a way of thinking. You don't you don't necessarily visit Twitter.com and browse it. You you sink into yeah. you like you don't you don't it, <laughs> it like you become it in a way and you start like i don't know there's a way of posting uh we picked up this way of like <laughs> sort of blurting out whatever the hell comes to mind but i think there's two ways about twitter mainly <clears throat> in that it's you can either be absurd and hilarious like that or you can try to condense real big thoughts into 260 40 characters whatever it is so- and I think that's impossible. The, the, so the big thing we just go with the assertive. Go for it. The big thing that I've noticed. So we, we had a switch around January. We, we were all yeah. settling into our roles, like there, and you know we were all feeling more and more comfortable. And suddenly it was like, okay, we should. This was a part that we had on the docket, and all of a sudden we had the ability to do it. But it took actually a number of months to hash out how exactly we were going to do it because you know we obviously we all had different ideas. We wanted to make sure everyone's on the same. The whole you go through a process. So eventually around June or so, June or July, we all we were all settled. We're all on the same page. And it's like, OK, we're going to push this boat out to sea. And the opening thing is we're going to talk about um, how strong Goku is and how he could annihilate nearly anyone uh, with spirit bomb. He could just take out um, like imagine if instead of those Ripper Owens, Judas Priest albums, they were just um, struck by a mighty Kamehameha fired from from heaven itself <laughs> and uh they were they ceased to be and then you know we used the dragon balls to bring rob halford back into Judas priest and then we just immediately get angel of retribution what a beautiful world this would be um and it's just that was what happened yeah i don't know what you're talking exactly. about Langdon. and so it's like uh, like like what andrew was saying there's um the method that you pick up if you've been on twitter for a while and i used it for about a decade now and unfortunately or unfortunately it's kind of a digital home for me um this is the plus and a minus you just sort of accept it it's like does Mm. the orchid regret being born in a swamp 
or does it just accept its fate? <laughs> um, but Poe, yeah. yeah. But you eventually learn to follow a whole bunch of accounts, and you don't read Twitter like you read a website. Like maybe if you really love a website, you'll go and you'll read its posts every day. There's only a certain amount. Twitter by nature is meant to be like like a fire hose pressed right to your face. Um, Pretty much. And so as a result, you can't do that 24-7. It will break your brain. You you mm-hmm. scoop a cup in to the little river and you take a sip and you pour that cup right in the garbage. Another way to think of it is that Twitter is like a garbage can that all of us use. You you take mm-hmm. a thought out of your brain that is garbage and you want to leave and you put it on Twitter, which is a way of throwing it away. <laughs> <laughs> but we all do this together and we all rifle through each other's garbage. Sometimes the garbage is – and you can get shrapnel. You can get you know people who have PhDs talking about high-level theory stuff, giving you reading lists, giving you – this is where a lot of people in my generation and younger got a political education because all of a sudden it was these disgruntled grad students and doctoral students and things like that where – Without commenting on the politics and economics of American and European higher education, that's a whole thing. You can guess our feelings on it. We all have college degrees here, Um, (laughs) and we all agree. Um, But you wind up getting a bunch of people who are like, okay, I want to talk about these fields that I'm passionate about, but to people who give a shit instead of in this environment where – And so you can get that, and you can simultaneously get Drill, the most magical poster who's emerged – through the Merc, a modern-day Homer, uh, a man crafting works equal to the Iliad and the Odyssey. When he talks about a uh, a chromed rat-tailed uh, James, uh, no, is uh, how he has a chrome rat tail and how James Bond is a Wiccan. <laughs> he posited the the hypothetical Wiccan James Bond filmography. The- so there's there's an art and there is a craft, I think. And it's interesting that this craft, as far as writing, because I think multiple forms of writing equal different crafts. There's journalistic writing, book writing, short story writing. They each involve different techniques, structures, applications, etc. Twitter posting is its own brand new f- motherfucker. And uh as far as uh, linguists and sociologists and psychologists go, the research they use and understand is oftentimes decades old. Like the iterative process of science is extremely slow. So I, I think our modern understanding of how Twitter is affecting both larger communication in you know greater space, like countries, the world, but also um, uh, – itself becoming a space where uh, communication is shaped into a narrow funnel and then the output is a very specific thing that's desirable, I think, mostly to Twitter for clicks and time spent on page. But they nailed it. As far as a psychological experiment, like Twitter is one of the most fascinating websites or social phenomenon, I think, of all time. It winds up... Like, one it's of the, incredible. One of the big things that there was a push in the back room mm-hmm. and I... I was one of the people who pushed this, but other people, you know, liked it as well. For for moving our own our own how we use Twitter as a site was specifically going like personally, I would have been fucking bored out of my mind if it was only tweet links to articles that we've written. That's it. It's like that's that, sort of what it was. Yeah, honestly, and that's before we did any of that. Yeah, and then it was like, okay, well then you know, let's just talk. It has to be about heavy metal and we'd had long talks about this kind of thing before but that would also bore the tears out of me because 
we've talked about this a million times. Everyone who likes metals talked about this. No one only likes heavy metal. Like pretty much. Like yeah. you like films of certain types. You like video games. You like food of certain things. You like comedy. You like books. We like that's the other thing is like we also disagree about these things. We have loud, vehement, sometimes fruitful, sometimes wasteful disagreements. Like it. Obviously, the world of heavy metal only becomes that narrow and small and because of that as annoying and clickish and whatever, if if you let it. I mean, there are also people who try to force it to become that. So, like, yeah, I think there Twitter pe- as, as a mechanism sort of <laughs> yeah. helps create those. There, yeah. there are people who can ruin spaces for other people for any number yeah. of reasons, be it horrible reasons or just annoying. But, you know, it's like, OK, we, we don't want to do that. And so there's gradually pushing more and more to uh Wanting it to be almost like a shrapnel burst that like Mm. if any four or five tweets in a sequence can be threaded through, we're doing it wrong. Like it shouldn't (laughs) it should be more erratic, like a manic fit. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like social media works best if it seems like there is like a meltdown captured in real time but like from the inside of the brain like you're not hearing words you're getting like rarefied images plucked from the brain i like that i like that deeper delve into we got a do other people hear that terrible noise i also was hearing a terrible noise is it terrible and staticky do you guys hear yeah. it yeah i was hearing it who is Okay, no, I don't know who that it, was. It was it was getting pretty bad on my end. Yeah, it was yeah, bad. It okay, I didn't bad. know if that was just me or was everyone. Okay, huh. we should add hall reverb to that for the final. Let's not edit this out because that is funny. Yeah, we, all, <laughs> we just got a communication from space, uh, yeah. enhancing decoding. One moment, <laughs> I'm learning decoding, alien knowledge. Decoding, I'm hacking it. Yeah, you know what it says? giving us coordinates. This is actually how they drop promos for their new albums. It doesn't say blood <laughs> incantation. It says. Nice to meet you. Take off your pants. Joe, you're new to Twitter, right-ish? Yeah, I I think I've been on there for like a year and a half. I guess what's the experience kind of like? Because I know you don't don't spend a lot of time on there. I I mean, I I don't don't approach anything like Langdon Liz. Like, it's like, again, it's 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 like trying to write the Odyssey. And I'm just like, I I can't I can't do that. That's why I'm asking uh, you because I think, yeah, you have a different relationship with Twitter and that I think the way your mind works, the way you write, the way you think, maybe it's not – Twitter's not your outlet, is it? I don't know. Uh, less so than Facebook uh, just because I've been used to that for far longer. Right, right. Um, and again, the thing with Facebook is you're usually in communication you know, unless you have your settings in a particular way. and you're usually communicating with a group of friends, whereas with Twitter, you're kind of communicating with the whole world, uh, potentially, uh, which can be interesting and scary. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which, I mean, my impression of Twitter has always been that it's sort of like those random thoughts, but you publish them, and they're there for forever, and sometimes it's not really good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, that's where... Oh, you Snapchat kind of has the idea right sometimes where it's like here's the thing and then let it die oh well that's that's where 
I at least, and this is one of the things we talked about with, with pivoting the Twitter, because obviously I, I was talking with, uh, they'll remain unnamed, but some former editors-in-chief who who saw the Twitter change, and they were like, I'm really glad you guys did that, and I would have been fucking terrified to okay that if I were running it. I would have been just like, holy shit, I'm going to get so fired. Um, so, honestly, which, a big step for engaging and starting this Twitter is sort of getting over that hump of like, this account has posted nothing but just links for like years. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like you got nowhere. Goku, Kamehameha, and Godzilla while Spider-Man's being shot to death. I mean, it's like, it's too much. I haven't posted but about it was a huge success. I, it was like, you like jump over that cliff and you're like, go over the but, edge of that waterfall and then you realize, oh, you know, but, it's actually so, so this is, pretty good. So this is where obviously it's, it's you know, it's it's dumb, absurd. Sometimes it's scatological humor. Sometimes it's uh, uh, crouching down in the shower and gurgling like a demon through the shower water. <laughs> which is just, uh, if you say you haven't done that, you are lying. We we have, we are all in this together. We've like all we have. gurgled with, with the shower water. All of us. Don't you lie to me. Um, ah. But... but there, I, I don't want to puff it up as sounding like it's some immaculate thing, but like we we all are book learners, um, and you know we all went into a lot of debt for that book learning. So you try to put it to use when you can, even just to justify to yourself all that money you spent um, and that you're still spending, uh, because those loans are not getting paid back. Navient, you can't wring blood from a stone. I don't have your money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so you do give yourself certain rules. Um, and this is just good for creative stuff in general. And in fact, certain bands who will go unnamed, you should listen to this part. One, hire a social media manager. Two, don't fucking post everything you think. Read it to someone first. <laughs> not going to say anyone names. You can, you can figure that one out. You can stitch that one together. I'm not talking about yeah. anyone in specific. But we had, a, we had a certain set of rules that we all agreed on. Uh, certain yeah. things like, one, no punching down whatsoever. We had to remain aware at the end of the day. We're all white guys. We're all cis. Uh, we're a combination of straight and bi. But they, you know, basically, being aware of where we stand with things and knowing, like, okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna step into certain things where it's not our place to talk about it, or where it would just be a fucked up joke at the expense of someone else. That's not like that's not chill. If right. you wouldn't do it in a party with your close friends, why would you do it online in front of a bunch of people? Just be a decent person. Normal stuff like that. So setting rules like that. And then other things of like, okay, well, if it's, you know, if we're going to do an absurd thing, you give yourself certain grounds of like, we even talked about for a while, we, we argued for a little bit of like whether swearing was okay. And we eventually landed on it's fine, but it's a it's funny. I you think don't, about talking about that. That's a dumb conversation. We should have just been like, that shouldn't have, that should be, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, I, I yeah. think all of us were aware of like, we didn't, we didn't want it yeah. to mess up because we, we wanted yeah. it to We did to think it well. through pretty hard. I know like on the, on the, on the aspect of like, like the idea, I remember we talked about like anything sexual, like we wouldn't, we don't really yeah. associate like Twitter or metal with like sexual like it's not it may be funny and people joke about sex all the time and like yeah. that's is funny to do that but it just didn't feel it just feels like excluding it only enhances the end product that is the twitter account like yeah that's it's a matter of curation we pick the topics by excluding the ones we think just don't make sense and then allowing us the roam free in this defined realm that we have um, and there's also which itself some, is endless. <laughs> there was something Indeed. specific. Yeah. So a, a bunch of mm-hmm. people um, who know me and the site 
and they know other people within the site, but this is going to be relevant for this part. They saw the Twitter account shift and they were like, so Langdon has the keys now? This, it is immediately clocked. They 100%. They were like, I know, I know why this is happening. One day, it took, it took about, I think I timed it, it took about five minutes. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. but ultimately our goal, and I, I think we've, we've achieved this, is something that gets overlooked. It's like Andrew and I, like I knew Andrew's writing from, from well before this because I actually had followed like his writing and uh, like a former contributor named Kat Jones and some other people that are active on Twitter. Like there's a woman named Layla who loved her writing. She's and, awesome. You know, lo- love what She's she awesome. Does. Yeah. Great person, person named Kelsey. Yeah. There's lots of people that have been in this world. And I've, you know. We met part of the way that we met that they, or that they met me because I knew of their work. They met me through Twitter and it was part of inhabiting the same kind of space. And so like I like Andrew has the same knack. It doesn't tap into it as much because a normal person who's not deeply mentally ill will go. Twitter can be toxic sometimes and I want to check out. Now, I have deep, deep brain worms. My brain is about six feet tall. It's made entirely out of salt. Uh, it's a salt calcium matrix and it's bone dry, baby. There ain't a lick of liquid in there. You know, a normal person has a nice wet brain, wet like a sponge. Um, and so they're going to avoid Twitter, um, which is like one the, of the reasons of I, the mind. One of the reasons I gravitated toward you, Langdon, I think when I first, <laughs> I knew about you and then I think it was from Twitter or maybe it was from your writing directly. Um, but what I gravitate toward is that I found such similarity in my my more embedded sense of humor and your very outward absurdity. Because I've always had – I just love absurdity and I've always read absurdist authors and just been obsessed with the idea of um, an absurd existence. And I think looking at the world through a lens of absurdity often, often provides some yeah. odd sense of clarity, um, like we, which we chatted crazily enough, I find for- clarity sometimes through your – completely inane tweets sometimes <laughs> and it's weird that and i found it odd that i found some profundity in in that in that what you could just call like vomit you know just like blurting out everything <laughs> or yeah, so like selecting and but it's had, everything yeah immediate s- impulses yeah me and andrew had spoken in private for like about a year or two before i started writing it wasn't super so, long yeah. but like we we had like it, you know we, we knew each other we would chat about stuff and yeah. then like he I, I would also publish, like, I like Twitter because you can be everything on Twitter. Unlike, say, if you're in a black metal band, um, this is no knock to it. This is, um, you can't break the character very much. Like, you can bend mm, it in hard. certain ways, but because, mm. because it's a kind of theater. It's like if you're doing Shakespeare and someone pulls out a cell phone on stage, unless it's a comedy. Like, if you're watching Richard III and someone pulls out a cell phone on stage, you're going to be like, what the fuck is that? Um <laughs> Same kind of thing. Um, but on something like Twitter, it's more you you can talk about PhD level stuff and then immediately make what if toilets were alive and they were scared of our shit um, and then immediately <laughs> go back into PhD level stuff. Just back to back. And then like you can just normal accounts with regular people will post the horniest thirst traps and you'll be like, oh, that's some really inter- that's a naked body. All right. Now it's back to like. It's it's this. It does it does prove like the dimensionality to our regular thinking. Like, I think most people. I think most people would. I think as you go about your day, you're generally might have impulsive, just random thoughts that come up, 
And like, I think everyone experiences this, but very few people vocalize them because that's what they are. It's just random. Yeah. You learn for good reason to not say them like in your day to day life. But then we have this space where you can put on a mask of your avatar and your handle and just. (laughs) It is cathartic in a way. I will admit it's stressful in a way and cathartic in another. It's it's a very interesting experience. And I don't know how long I'm going to live it. But living it now is definitely just an interesting, interesting ride. The, the the goal long term yeah. so eventually like Andrew wound up seeing so b- because of that multifaceted thing I would also post uh, poetry I'd post fiction I'd post whatever right. and Andrew saw a very very long form piece that I wrote that was about forty thousand words and was like I want you to write for the site right now and I was like what <laughs> like it was fucking blindsided me I was like I posted so hard I got a job <laughs> like what <laughs> um. It was but, I. I wanted you on board way before we actually got you. I mean, like, it's just it just takes so long sometimes. But yeah, it's I, like I, I, I saw your writing, and I was like, "How is this guy not writing for us? Like, are you kidding me?" Like, I was so yeah. mad that I had not been published. I literally like not been published almost anywhere. Like, mm. and not for lack of trying. I was like, "This sucks." It's, random universe like we sometimes pretend there's a meritocracy, but this is also what sort of tries to keep you on your toes. Ideally, is you know. And we we work in extreme metal, so like we know, and heavy metal in general. So we know there are bands that sell twenty five copies of their demos, and they're fucking great, and yeah. they deserve more, and they just don't get it. And you you know you do the best you can, but they don't always do it. And then there are bands that are bigger who you don't you don't begrudge them for being big. That just seems dickish. But you're like I, you know, I'd like to see other you know happens. Um, but yeah, the the long term goal of the Twitter account wasn't for it to be one for invisible oranges wasn't for it to be one person's voice we deliberately didn't want that because because that's also boring why why just make one twitter account into you know something that already exists that seems seems a waste um yeah because there's also there's also the power dynamic that we wanted to pay attention to it's not one of our personal accounts this is the official account of invisible oranges so if you do something like if a person, even if one of us, is making fun of a band or a record on on our personal thing, that's different from a website, especially when it can feel like you're attacking a band that's already like only selling X number. Of re- like that could be really shitty. Yeah, it's like yeah, you it's a, have a personal personal account. Reason. It's yeah, personal accounts free game. It's a different context. Like the site yeah. speaks for a character or a an image or a reputation, whereas the person speaks for their identity of themselves. Yeah. And I, you're right, Langdon. Yeah. And I, the idea with the, the Twitter was to integrate, I think all of our brains into one sort of character. And that's, and so the Twitter account posts a lot, like I first person, because this character we invent, and it's not even really a character. It doesn't have a name yeah. or anything, but this, this speaker, so to speak, um, is the combination of three to four to five different people. And it could be anyone at any time. And sometimes it's like, oh, who is that? Who is that? And it's like, don't ask that question. <laughs> it's, 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 it's something invisible that's oranges. Been so, <laughs> something that's been so satisfying for the past couple of weeks is people will chime in and be like, oh, I see Blank is posting again. And in private, in the work Slack, we're like, they got it wrong. Like, we much. get so happy when we're like they can't tell us apart anymore it's working like and you will just tell them like you got it and we're like we're lying they i got know. fooled too i thought one i thought i thought a john post was yours i think but it was john's and i yeah 
And I was like, ah, so I got they got, tricked me. Like we don't even. <laughs> I mean, there always, was I mean, yeah, there was one I I had to ask in the chat who who did that one because thumbs up, but I'm <laughs> yeah. not sure who. I'm glad we it's channeled like, some of your energy, Joe. I, yeah, it's been it, it's been really satisfying to do that because mm-hmm. that's like again, not to puff it up as the biggest thing in the world. Running a Twitter account is not the same as I know we I got. Have, I, I within arm's reach uh, a book called Duck's Newberry Port, which is a thousand word long single sentence novel. Like it's one it's one sentence that's a thousand pages long. Brilliant book should have won the fucking Booker Prize. Why Margaret Atwood? Fuck you. The Testament. I'm not going to get on my book stuff. Um, I'm (laughs) I'm so salty, though. Um, It's not that running a Twitter account is not that. But, you know, you we're doing it so we try to give a shit about it like you know if people are going to pay attention to it if we're going to spend our own time even if no one pays attention to it i want to know that i you know at least proud of what i did it seems normal Uh, so like we we try to we put a we put a weird amount of effort into it that's one of the things that i that i strangely love about twitter is it's posting is actually kind of hard you got to really you got to perfect and craft these posts like they don't just like they come out. The idea is spontaneous, but the at least for me, the arrangement and the polishing of it is a mechanical process. Like idea, boom, on the page, blurted, and then I tweak it to make it digestible and slick, and then I post it. But you also want it raw. Like there's 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 mm-hmm. a natural sort of uh, return of an element of like death metal or. or oh, sometimes metal it just I type it and hit enter, like, and then it's out. Yeah, we're like. <laughs> You yeah. look at, you look at a typo and you fix it and then you look at it and you go no it was better I'm putting it back um, or comma, you look at something comma random you, word to end a tweet yeah <laughs> yeah you you add, you'll add a typo you'll be like no it needs yes they <laughs> they are perfect um, there's a way you become yeah. like a painter you're like no I'm gonna delete that letter and add uh, add one here yes yes beautiful um, <laughs> like a poem I mentioned before it's like. At its ideal, you're channeling. You don't mm-hmm, – I've mentioned absolutely. this to people before. There's, there's, there's memeing. This is the lowest level. No, the lowest level is puns. These people are the worst. Hopefully they get they Agree. get like they get like <laughs> driven into the sea by a malevolent race of octopi who who take to the land after global warming destroys the planet. You know that's that's hopefully what happens to the people who make puns. Uh, above that are memers. This is sub comedy. This is this is in the terms of Nietzsche. You are you are you are the sheep and we are the eagles. <laughs> we tear at the sheep, laughing while tearing. That's from Dionysian diathrams too. Um, <laughs> but um <laughs> that there's your Nietzsche quote for the day. Um uh then then there's shit posting. Shit posting's a level above me. People will make a meme if they see a good shit post. The person who makes the shit the per- Casey Green did not make it's okay or everything's okay dog. He made a comic that included a dog in a room on fire saying everything was okay. Other people memed off of it. This is this is an ascendant thing. He made an eruptive form and moved on. He was like Metallica. I'm done now. What's the next thing? But above even shit posting is posting. <laughs> Posting. No one would make a meme out of these things. No, they're too. Per- you can't replicate this. It's it's the irreproducible. Uh, Dionysian eruption of the mind lost in the toilet. What does I think, it mean? It's I like think a it's poem. The, it's like a crystal. It's the purest postmodern form <laughs> of communication I think we have access to. Um, it 
like you said, it relies on flows and streams and not dictations and narratives. It's, it's, it's a complete impulse in many ways, but also it has, it has a dynamic and it has a flow that you could, that you can ride. You're right. You let it, you let it channel through you or with you maybe even. And it's a completely different, it's not just, I think it's a radical way of communication, like completely radical. Like we've turned an important dynamic of what we consider rational communication. And that's like statement, explanation, sentence, or even you can go like synthesis, like antithesis and all that shit. Um, But Twitter just upends that and replaces it with something else entirely. And it just shapes how we, I think, come to terms with, (laughs) with what we're saying. And, and it's weird. Like I I feel like a different person now that I post, I've ascended to that top level. I think my, my big fancy words yeah. are uh, if if normal rational thought is inherently Hegelian, it's a thesis and an antithesis being Pretty, synthesized yeah. together to, you know, there's, there's, it's the natural twining process of thoughts. A conversation is I think this and you go, I agree with X amount, but I disagree here. It's the basis for modernism, I think, in communication. Yeah, yeah. we we then instead see something that's a, a little bit of the Ubermenschian uh eruptive self-potential of Nietzsche and the rhizomatic, uh, non-arborescent thought of Deleuze. I'm just dropping the big words. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> they just, we're doing it. Um, where, uh, the short version is, a uh, uh, you, you affect, uh, the schizoid mind of the post-capitalist. <laughs> don't you be reading too much. To fully don't, fracture you. You reading a lot of Frederick Jameson lately? <laughs> a little bit. Um, <laughs> You let the hammer shatter the crystal of your mind, and you don't try to put it back together. Hmm. You give them the remnants. <laughs> it is Lost sort of this disruptive. <laughs> it is a disruptive <laughs> method of communication because it forces you out of a sense of self that you usually use to navigate reality. It forces you into a, a, fo- a funneled, focused form of thought. Um, is Twitter posting meditation? Kind of. We actually see a funny parallel. Uh, Is that fucked up? Is like, this whole conversation fucked? <laughs> we, see, how- <laughs> we, see, we see a weird parallel yeah. in like the, um, the ego destructiveness of the psychedelic experience where the thing that people latch on to that, it, the thing you're supposed to take away from a psychedelic experience, aside from shit, it's fun, um, which, which is admittedly the primary thing. Um, is that sense that the rational walls that you use to approach the world break down entirely. Right. They don't exist at all. In that realm of pure sense, of pure color and sound, where color, sound, shape, and movement seem to bleed together, and time and movement of time seem to bleed into one throbbing thing, rational walls and boundaries don't make sense anymore. Only like pure action, pure thought, pure movement. In a way that you almost can't hold on to when you come back to, to the non-psychedelic self. You're like, oh, I actually don't live in that world. I can erupt into that world, but I can't stay there. Like that's mm. not who or what we are. And like, I, this is going to sound stupid, grandiloquent, but whatever. We've already got, we've already crossed that bridge. Ultimately, that's like that's what art and art experience does. Like it, for a good film. You don't sit around going, this is really wonderful. Did you know that this didn't actually happen? So These basically the psychedelic channel is the same. The psychedelic channel is the same or at least close to the same as the artistic one. Yeah. That I mean – You access we, art through a psychedelic – or channel that also your, uses that. Yeah. 
you give yourself over to an experience. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you're in a film or in a theater watching watching something, you don't go like, this is great. You know, I don't think these events actually really happen. <laughs> I, think, I think actually Taxi Driver is about, I think Mr. Bickle here is fake. Like, <laughs> you don't do that. That's insane. Like, you, if you did do that, you'd be a dick or really funny. Those are the only two options. <laughs> um but and, you know, you don't consider it insane or wacky or even pretentious to be like, you know, you give yourself over to a film when you're watching it. You you know, otherwise we more fairly perceive people who don't do that as like weird buzzkills. And something that I like about the ultra performative element of Twitter and this this part does burn people out. And I can actually totally follow that is it's performative to the nth degree of people. Oh, my God. A, yeah. If people have a political or social persuasion, they will amplify that a million fold and they'll be like, I've held these ideals since I was negative five and I have 10 doctorates. And it's like you're allowed to be wrong. You're allowed to have a history. You're allowed to get better to tomorrow than you are today. You know, all all these actual things that we hold in the real world. But at some point, one of the things that I love so much about Twitter is the radical anti-rational embrace of if it's all performance, fuck it, baby, let's perform. <laughs> it becomes like pure identity camp in a certain way of it's the same level of campiness as, you know, like as like queen or something like that. But you're doing it with identity and language and like dumb bullshit. It's almost like Irvin Goffman gone completely insane um, yeah. as far as like like life is a stage. Um, and yeah. I love, that's one of my favorite uh, concepts. And I think it exists somewhere in social psychology because it's kind of like small group communication and yeah. other things, but like the idea of, uh, of, of not just like of being yourself literally as acting, like the idea that you cannot be anyone else except yourself. And you can only act. And that's like, you can't just be, you can only act who you are. And it's like, then you're stuck in the framework that acting as an art form and also as like a performance itself uh, uh, provides. So I I always think sometimes like, am I acting or am I being me? Like if I'm in the world, you know, at a checkout register, drive through, whatever, am I, who am I acting like? And it's like Twitter takes that dimension and twists it even further and, and then like provides you a channel to almost act yourself in a way that bypasses this this logic we have with you know i guess general standards for how yeah. you communicate in, in, you just in the you real pick world. a new you and yeah. you manifest it directly and this mm-hmm. new you is uh, i don't know obsessed with gorillas <laughs> like you just give yourself a thing you don't you don't overthink yeah. it you let your gut tell you're like that's it that's the move and it's the move until i no longer feel it's the move pretty much and, yeah like and you're able to do that for the same reason that a band can put on corpse paint and armor and go play on stage. But then when they go backstage, they like, you know, they like GameCube and they like you know, Peter <laughs> Sellers movies or something like that. So, yeah, you, you, yeah. Like, you know, we, we don't expect people when they're when they're doing like playing in a band to be that 24 seven or mm-hmm. unless you're a, an insane and like ultimately rather toxic person like that's no, yeah. And, and on that dance. note, we, we often take a break or not really a break, we just have deeper, more rationalized thoughts and sentences that we'll post on Twitter in yeah. longer series of posts, just ideas and reflections on... I know I did one on missing live music and appreciating bands who 
go through hell to put on shows. And like, I just had this immense surge of feeling about missing live music and appreciating the artists who put it together. And I just threw it out there. Like it, it was popular for people to read and reflect with and vibe off of. Yeah. And like we'll, Energy. We'll, make, yeah. we'll make dumb jokes about like destroying every melodic death metal fan with uh, fans with uh, a spirit bomb. But then we'll we'll try to make sure to follow, especially if someone catches like, hey, that one might read is a little bit harsh. Maybe it's fun. But um, uh, it's following totally it was, fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's like everything's in jest. Which, we know it's jest. Which, yeah. But, but then if someone brings up like, hey, to be fair, like even if that's in jest, maybe uh, it'd be like, yeah. OK, that's fair. Following it with something like a sincere thought, which is that ultimately and we all believe this even about metal that we don't like, which all of us have. We've covered that before. Um, Yeah. But that ultimately the fact that this space that we all like is big enough to generate things that we don't like, as well as things we like is a, is a positive thing. That means that it's big and continuing to grow in ways Mm -hmm. that's bigger than any one person in it. And so it's like, okay, even, even if any one of us doesn't resonate with all of it, that's ultimately a good thing. There are obviously bad people and bad actors in that, but that's not contingent on the style of music. they're playing. That's my baseline for, let's say reinvigorating, reinvigorating the Twitter, um, was that we put more good energy into the environment than we put negative, like if at all. So, like I want, I want it to be an absolute value. Like, I, w- I mean, sorry, I want it to be a plus all the time. Um, that we put in positive, good vibes that people either laugh or n- learn something or at least feel better after just seeing, um, or even a chuckle. Like, if we can put that good energy back into the world, like, why not? And not have fun doing yeah. it. Of course. Like that. It's just it. It's a win-win to me. And I. That was the only real rule. Is like. It just can't be bad energy because the world has so much of that. Yeah. And like there, none of us are doing this in our free time to explore bad energy. Just not interested. <laughs> there, were, there, yeah. there were a lot of discussions that we had about mm-hmm. like what – because there are, there are things that we all agree are important and that we all even agree pretty much down the line on. Like we'll have individual like tiny pivots, but the general right. direction of a lot of these things we – I'll agree on, but then there was the thought of the serious discussion we had of one, are we as individuals the ones to comment on these things? And then two, if we like, and trying to take that stuff seriously of like, we don't want to throw our weight around and be wrong. We don't want to throw our weight around in the wrong direction. We don't want to talk over people that really should be getting that limelight and that attention or voices that should be listened to. Uh, So there was a lot of, and we, use that to winnow down eventually like okay well then you know even if we're really passionate about these maybe there's other ways that we can highlight that yeah. but then what does that mean that we should do like instead of fixating on like because obviously you can, you can read that as a buzzkill like oh all the things you're not allowed to talk because of um, cancel and it's like it, it's not about that it's about like you know in your gut when it's like I'm not the guy to go to for these things. A good metaphor so, is like when you create a sculpture from a, a fucking block of granite or whatever you make it out of marble. Um, you remove everything that isn't the sculpture and then you have a final finished piece of art. Like The idea in poetry as well is that you work within these guidelines that help shape this specific type of art you're going for. And that's kind of the idea. And it takes a long time to like think of all these ideas and like process, like what voice is this thing going to have? What, 
what is like the invisible oranges like tone or voice? And I think with all of us combined and a few of us not on the call here um, on, on the cast, it's like, I think, I think we're all educated and we bring that level of like analysis to, to our voice. We sound authoritative and we know what we're talking about, but at the same time, we're like, I think we're like the very gates open, come on in. It's like, I like, it's the idea, like you mentioned earlier, Langdon, which I think is probably one of the best ideas I think we could hark on for the end of time is that metal heads are into more than just metal. And like, like, I don't like invisible oranges has always been the metal blog and like basic, I get it. It's an, it's, it's like an original, uh, uh, an an original tagline and that's totally fine. Like we're not changing it, but to me, it's like, it should be like the metalhead blog, you know, the metalhead blog where it's like a blog about being a metalhead, which involves more than just listening to heavy metal. It involves like being on Twitter involved in the community and the scene. It involves like, uh, all the aesthetics and merch and everything and all the identity that comes with that. I mean, so there's so much more to, I think, heavy metal. And and that's where we went with Twitter is like, we can post about random things, post about horror movies, post about whatever. And like, we're sitting here with Joe too. And like, he's a horror movie buff and a movie buff in general. And I'm like, dude, write about movies. You know why? Because heavy metal folks tend to pretty much like movies too. A lot of them, not necessarily horror, but there's heavy metal movies, movies that are heavy. And Metallica I think they named for whom the bell tolls after <laughs> the movie adaptation of that novel. And if Metallica does it, boom, it's, it's tied in forever. It's done. <laughs> Black yeah. Sabbath got their name from a horror film. Yep. Exactly. And I think, and, and it's that, it. and, and mm-hmm. we could cite those connections like up, down, left and right. It, 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 Cause it's real. And these, yeah. these worlds, they bleed and there's, there's a, there's a Venn diagram ish looking thing. And there's a middle section where they start to congeal at different gradients and uh, you can explore those spaces and often find very interesting artwork um, that I think goes undercovered and underrepresented. And part of the website's goal has always been to dig up fucking cool shit that's hard to find for the readers. Ironically, as a, I think yeah, this, as a curation. Yeah, th- this touches on a weird kind of insecurity that I that I see a lot in metal mm-hmm. spaces, and I think that also leads to the same hyperfixation on journalistic writing about metal rather than necessarily the same level of like um creative or memoir writing exactly or yeah that b- because there's the sense of a desire for legitimacy that like we see punk get that kind of legitimacy punk has great memoirs about it it has poetry about punk that's then lauded by poets it's not right. just lauded by people so they get all this like cultural credence and We'd be lying if we said metal hasn't been hungry for that same kind of broad cultural acceptance. There's a sense that punk is still accepted on its own terms. Meanwhile, metal, and I don't necessarily think this is actually all that true, but there is a sense in the metal world that it has to fight for recognition or fight for acceptance. And then, Mm -hmm. ironically, we also we also uh snip and snarl at each other whenever it happens and we'll call it like mall core shit and whatever <laughs> like opeth put out the grand conjuration and people were calling opeth mall core and i'm like yes opeth is mall core oh hyper accessible opeth with their 10 minute long songs yeah that's so oh ghost reveries the most the most pop album of all time <laughs> you're all dumb like or yeah. like oh ghost the sellout band yeah because singing about loving satan because he is loose is 
whatever. Yeah, it's nonsense. I think but, a natural uh, consequence of broadening the scope of the site from metal to metalhead, from heavy music to heavy art, um, is that you gain context and understanding on how sometimes insignificant and small metal is in reality, or how unimportant or unmeaningful some things just end up being, even though they might be great well, art. Um, you well, learn sometimes. Yeah, you learn the brevity of things. We sometimes overly we overly try to tie in a journalistic yeah. sense. Here's how this ties directly into metal, or here's how this in like making the bonds between a thing and heavy metal, not just explicit, but the centerpiece of it's like of showing and telling writing. when you write, yeah. basically. And yeah. it's like, yeah, and it's like on a certain level, if I'm writing about the works of Lars von Trier, if I need to tell you that those things evoke a heavy metal atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. You haven't, like... If They're heavy metal as fuck, even, yeah. Not even just thinking about, like, um, obvious ones like Antichrist, but if you watch mm. Beneath the Waves, that's a doom metal movie. That will, that that will rip your soul out. Mm. Um, but, you know, so... And the hope... You see other places getting better at this kind of thing. Like, I think Heavy Blog is Heavy is, an, is a great place that also pushes in similar ways that we do. They mm. push in different spaces than we do. But, you know, obviously we also aren't the only site under the sun. We don't pretend to be. And that's not no, to anyone's yeah. benefit. Like, we, we're in an ecosystem. You know, we can all live together. Um, but, yeah, there, there has been this – obviously our, our Twitter account's only – one element of it you know there's been the editorial shift over the past couple of years to try to feel that way like obviously you know f- continuing to feature contemporary bands contemporary records can, you know because that's absolutely yeah you, you straight up aren't covering an art form if you aren't covering its contemporary work like if you're if if you're writing about film and you only write about directors who've been dead for 20 years you don't like yeah. film you yeah, like we history. do a mixture. Yeah, That's in fine, fact, I wish fine. we, I wish we more often stepped back into the past and did some reflections. Anniversaries come around. We do cover a lot of new music, which I believe is part of the site's like mission and and actually purpose and goal and yeah, even function in this ecosystem of 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 music. It's our duty almost to unearth good music um, and showcase it. Uh, but the difference between us and PR is that. We're not getting paid to do that. Um, we're selecting because uh, we genuinely like something. Like truly, <laughs> you get the you get the benefit of an honest. If I cover it, it's because I fucking like it. <laughs> um, we get the uh, term PR core thrown around by people, and I find it cute when they do that. Yeah, they saw, I I get less promo emails than most people that I know, and if they saw the amount that I get versus yeah. the amount that I write about, it, it just it's. It's not real. I don't like again. I'm not. Maybe maybe I'm missing something that these people know, and maybe yeah. I'm completely wrong. But I don't. I don't know how. Like especially people who've done it before. Like they're just following the PR lists. Be like, there's a difference between hype about a and, and excitement that has yeah. clarinet. Like mm-hmm. who's hyping this record? Yeah. I, or like you write about something and you get a heartfelt response from people who made it who are like, thank you for giving it a chance because no one else would. And you're like, is this PR core? Is this what? Or they're or like, is this humanity? Is this like, <laughs> is this like new, new, new brotherhood or relationship between two people who, <laughs> who did something important bizarre, for each other? Yeah. 
there's the journalistic thing of like you're not allowed to talk to any of the people that you cover at all in any way whatsoever and it's like <laughs> this world is too small like there yeah. aren't enough metal people who write about metal and people who make metal for that to be feasible. i guess in the end it's not only just music journalism which itself is very loose um it's yeah. heavy metal music journalism heavy music journalism. it's even a step beneath it's we're all we all get along well, somehow I mean, anyway, well that, that's where us, i think yeah. part part of the editorial shift part of pushing yeah. ted to write about films or not f- films pushing ted to write about video games pushing video games. to write about films pushing yeah. me to write just like it, it, creative things in general of like creative memoir or whatever mm-hmm. moving the twitter account us having this podcast as another part of this puzzle was deliberately to move outside of pure journalism, which does have a lot of those restrictions. And those restrictions are there for a reason within journalism, not yeah. to knock that, not to say that. But at a certain point, journalism, because of those restrictions, means that you memoir isn't journalism and writing your human relation to things isn't mm. journalism. That's, so that's, there's no reason the site can't do both. And I've held that exactly. philosophy as long as I've been here is that and if you can look at recent posts, like we had a great post on Priest by Avinash, um, extremely that well documented interview, thorough, factual. It is like textbook journalism. It is so good. And at the same time, we have Langdon's reflection article on uh, five albums that he heard while during a, a you know a tough pa- a tough phase in his life that he recently got through. And it's like those two dimensions exist in symbiosis with each other. I mispronounced that, sorry. Um, but they, uh, you know, those, it's it's the journalistic, can, we can cover, we can be factual, we can pre- present inter- interesting information or new information or old information in a new interesting way. But we can also showcase like the heart and soul of like what being a metalhead it kind of is or liking metal or whatever, you know, feeling the heavy like emotion. It, yeah. It touches on a previous thing that we talked about. Like when you're mm. offering art criticism of a record, you're not being a journalist. If you're journalistically reviewing an album that what are you do what what what's the, what's the review it was engineered on this date what the fuck yeah. does that even mean like you're not being a journalist the most you could go you to say is be. you could compare it to other things and try to make i guess relatively simple yeah. assertions from it but you don't begin to look at it like a bespoke entity like from a human being who you might want to know more about to understand better the artwork you know you start to investigate not sort of as a journalist but as a person because music is of that nature. You do not understand music completely removed from yourself. You understand music through yourself as a lens. And if you don't understand yourself, and not all of us do, um, to some varying <laughs> degrees, I certainly have problems with that. Um, but uh, you, uh, you also need to understand the person, I think, who made it, or at least know something. I don't know. Maybe not. Sometimes you don't need to. But that dimension's there. should be aware of it. I think we should wrap this up. I think we should... Leave it on, and I think that was a. We pointed out a lot of good, important things about what the site intends to do. Uh, Langdon pointed out, you know, numerous things that, you know, involving how we manage to shape and function the Twitter, how we want to direct and funnel our both energies about being journalistic and being rigorous and factual and providing that kind of information, but also exposing, I guess, the inner heart of what it means to like feel heavy be heavy listen to heavy things engage in heavy art and um to do both and to put good energy back 
into a system that often feels like it's a cycle of bad energy or produces its own bad energy is like, you know, it's a little nice. It's sort of nice just to kind of come into it, you know, feeling like good energy. You're doing something positive. And that's the end, you know, something good. Hopefully. Is posting about Goku and the Kamehameha good? Yes! Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to Screaming Bloody Oranges, the Invisible Oranges podcast, via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and other streaming services. We'll make a post on our website at www.invisibleoranges.com to accompany the release of each episode. Visit us anytime for more in-depth heavy metal coverage that goes a step above and beyond.